Blog Talk Radio. Hello and welcome into the Computer America Show. We are the nation's longest running nationally syndicated radio talk show on computers and technology. Thank you for joining us in here, out there, and uh, yeah, hopefully all of you were having a great day. So today on the program, we have, of course, our Gamer Tuesday, where we talk all things video games. This is the show dedicated to uh, gaming news, gaming consoles, latest releases, uh, just about anything having to do with video games. This is a good time to do it because, you know, uh, our our regular day-to-day it consists of interviews with uh, companies and, you know, just general tech news. So this is time to cut loose and enjoy some games and talking about games. So joining us is, as usual, is uh, the one, the only, Mr. Corey Gallagher, as we uh, from Popstar Magazine fame. And, yeah, we have a lot to, a lot to discuss. So, a couple things before we get started, including ComputerAmerica.com. That's where you'll find everything from, and this is pretty important, you'll find a link to uh, you know, to Corey's profile on PopZara. And there you can see all the different reviews he's, he's written. Uh, you, you also have links to uh, some of his other publications. He does a lot of work, a lot of good work, and again, we're happy that he joins us every single month. So, you can find that there. Also, any articles, videos, or anything that we show here on the program will be in the show notes. So if you're busy, we got you covered. Uh, let's see. With that being said, while you're there, be sure to check out the social media contest brought to you by Logitech. And also, be sure to check out the live video stream brought to you by OWC. And with the video stream, you can check us out at twitch.tv forward slash Computer America. Or, uh, and hey, you know, you can join us in the chat room. You can talk with us, give us your opinion. And, uh, and hey, you know, uh, a little bit of interaction goes a long way. So, okay, I think with all that being said, let's just go ahead and bring on our guest. So, as I said before, Corey Gallagher, longtime correspondent now, and, uh, yeah, our gaming, our resident gaming expert. So, Corey, how you doing? Welcome back onto the program. My pleasure, my pleasure. So uh, before we get started, just uh, general, how do you do? Uh, doing well? You know, that's true, but it seems like uh, in in a lot of cases where the summer used to be this complete drought and the only thing that was, you know, kind of like the the – you know, the little bit of water in a very long dry season was, were things like the Steam Summer Sale, where you would buy games that were already out or been out for a long time, but you buy them for a really good price. So you'd have things to play. Um, I will say that, you know, the Steam Summer Sale, it's still a thing, but a lot of games I'm noticing are offering updates, if not full-blown expansions to existing games and then saving the new releases for the holiday. Like, have you noticed any kind of trends like I have? Yeah, 
Yeah, and so that's a it's it's a little consolation, but at the same time, uh, just gives you a little something to play. I know that I'm really looking forward to uh, you know to next week's release of the new World of Warcraft expansion. Uh, by no, uh, let's see, uh, how do I how do I want to word this? Uh, Computer America will not be on the air Monday and Tuesday uh, for completely related reasons, but. Uh, yeah, so there's at least a, a couple of things, including uh, some that we're going to talk about. So uh, for anyone out there who's new to our gamer segment, this is where we talk about the latest releases. If there's a new game, we kind of go over it and the general reaction it's had in the community. But we also talk about, you know, just kind of trending topics and gaming-related news. So, Corey, I'll go ahead and start us off with one that... I. I always like talking about because just like a lot of things, like let's say Bitcoin, for instance, uh, a lot of people ask me, you know, just being in the tech field, you know, what do you think about Bitcoin? Did you get into Bitcoin? Uh, do you feel bad that you didn't get into Bitcoin earlier? Uh, you know, because so many people saw the astronomical rise of it and you're like, no, you know, I'm happy I never put a penny into Bitcoin because now I don't have to care uh, if it's up or down and I get to sit back and just report on it and I don't have to really you know, uh, I guess, you know, have any empathy for what's going on in that arena. And I feel like it's the same thing with Star Citizen. It's like I could have I've known about it for a long time. A lot of years have gone by. Uh, news articles, news articles keep breaking. And at the same time, I, I get to sit back and enjoy and you know just kind of read it. So uh, let's start with the Star Citizen story that you have here. And they removed the in-game currency cap, which you know, I, I can think of a number of other games that I've played that have had that cap um, for one reason or another. And, you know, a cap currency kind of keeps things in check. It, it It's a pretty good hard line that leaves a lot of items, you know, there are ways around it, but it leaves a lot of items at a certain price, uh, price point. So talk about Star Citizen, uh, give us a quick overview of the game, and then why removing the in-game currency cap uh, you know, why did they decide to do that? It's almost—it's almost out of alpha. It's—it's uh, it's exciting. It's, you know, and, and this is just, you know, from playing other games, it's like you could have these items that were uh, infinitely rare or valuable for some other reason, and the in-game currency cap would keep it from being, uh, you know, something that was, you know, made, like, let's take a certain uh, item for a game that maybe if it was like a code that you could buy on eBay, the eBay code could only be, you know, could go for $1,500, but the in-game currency if you keep that capped, if you sold it in game, like you're supposed to, you can only get, you know, a certain amount of money for it. And it kept it from even, even if it was infinitely rare, you could only get it for that one amount. And it kept everything, you know, kind of at a ceiling. And it, it was kind of comforting to know that, Hey, there is a light at the end of the tunnel. Yeah. 
Mm-hmm. Right. Well, yeah, and and this goes back to you know why is it simply a tech demo? Why is it even you know uh, you hesitate to call it even alpha? Uh, you know, just I guess where does the management go? Because this is why not just in video game uh, kickstarters or things like that, but in kickstarters in general. That's why you know when we talk to companies on the show here, we've had to start you know really emphasizing the fact that when you invest in a kickstarter, a crowdfunding, you know wherever it may be. Uh, you're not just investing in the product. You're not just buying the product, but you are betting on the team behind it. You're betting that the person who is running this organization knows what they're doing and knows how to actually put out a finished product. And in a lot of cases, we see that, you know, it's people who with great ideas, uh, sometimes they're engineers, but they're not business people. They're not people who know how to lay down the law and actually push something out the door. Um, I'm, I'm getting that feeling all over again with Star Citizen, where they want to make it, uh, you know, you had trouble classifying exactly what type of game it's going to be. I think that that's on purpose. I think they want it to be a little bit of everything, and they certainly have the money, but they don't have the management system in place to actually, you know, call enough enough and start to work on pushing it out. So, so, so with that on top of the whole pay to win, uh, you know, and, and I see that uh, the article that you have linked here, uh, you know, kind of has pay to win objections uh, creeping up. I mean, how how do they kind of explain it away that okay, you you have the money, you have your audience's support, and now you just keep monetizing because you know we talked about another game, uh, PUBG where it was kind of in the same vein where you could get early access, you still paid 30 bucks for it. And before they even, you know, what a lot of people would claim polish the game, they put in an in-game loot system, you know, uh, uh, loot crates where you could purchase those for cosmetics and whatnot. And you were able to give them money before they were even officially launched. Like this is a, Oh, yeah, no, people played it for sure. It's like a flight simulator, yeah. Who is, yeah. Yeah. I, that and and that's what that is about. Uh, what I was going to ask you, and it has to be that there are just diehard fans. There has there has to be that core group of people that believe in it. That this. This is faith. You know, it, there's no other way to put it. This is believing in something that you cannot see, touch, or 
or at this point play, you know, a, a legitimate game with. This is blind faith, and I feel like it's the people who are, you know, who, sh- who kind of share your opinion. Where, you know, why why can't they see through this? That no matter how much money you're going to throw at these people, you're never going to get the game that they that you've been promised. Uh, the people who see your point of, point of view have already backed out, have already dropped it and said, enough is enough. Uh, I'm going to go preoccupy myself with something else. Let me know if or if you don't get it done. Whereas everyone else, they, you know, hey, if, if they can throw out a $27,000 package and no one bats an eye and just says, oh, uh, of course our citizen is going to do that, then I feel like there it, it's a passion project that prints money for the, you know, uh, for the developer. And I, that's it. You definitely won't. That is a trend with Kickstarters in general. I'm not even going to say it's a trend with, with video games, but uh, no, the, these things have a tendency to, you know, kind of give you a couple weeks notice, say, hey, we've had a good run. Uh, thanks to all of our supporters. No refunds. Have a good one. And that's that's about it. So I, there's going to be a point where even the even the minimal amount of server space that they're renting or any of the other development that they're actually paying for is not going to be covered by donations. And I feel like at that point, that's when it's going to be shuttered up. Is when it no longer makes money. The I think the month that it that it you know kind of wastes money is the month that it gets uh, shut down. That That's a feeling that, you know, you, you've given me certainly articles like this to give me and something that over, you know, a trends just over months and months of reporting on Star Citizen, uh, none of it is like, hey, we are going to launch in, uh, you know, in October. No, it's, you know, how do we get more money out of you? So... <laughs> right. So, and I think we're going to go ahead and drop that conversation there. But Star Citizen, uh, removing the in-game currency cap, so that if you, you know, if that if that one last thing, because if you already purchased your twenty-seven thousand dollars ship package, if you've already bought all the land that you could possibly own, and you are still like, hey, how can I give you even more money? Then hey, good job. They've opened the door for you, and you are good to go. So there's Star Citizen. Always a fun topic because it's it's not a cheap topic. I, I mean, we talk about yeah. Like if if these people who spent this kind of money were to apply it to any other game by any other developer, uh, be it you know PUBG, be it Overwatch, be it uh, Fortnite. They would cap out and be unable to purchase everything in that game for a fraction of what they spent on Star Citizen. Like games that are actually providing content, uh, you know, they would spend infinitely less. But uh, but but either way, like I said, if we're dropping that, let's go ahead and skip on over to our next topic here. We have a number of them. Uh, let's talk about this one. So it, it's the title really grabbed me and. I wanted your opinion on Capcom thinking that it's okay if they lower their sales goals 
if the game that they publish is going to be higher reviewed or higher rated or essentially, you know, uh, reviewed better, uh, I guess would be the correct way to say this. So Capcom, maker of Resident Evil, they're coming out with Resident Evil uh, uh, 7, I believe. And yeah, they're say that they said that they're okay with lower uh, sales numbers if they get better reviews, as, as in they make a better game, even if it doesn't sell as well. My question to you is, first of all, um, actually, you know, maybe even last of all, don't those two go hand in hand? Uh, you know, you, you probably cover a lot more reviews and journalism in gaming than I do, but in general, if a game is very well reviewed, that's almost better word of mouth than just being popular in its own right. I saw that, yeah. Well, it's, uh, you know, because video games are a pretty steep, or, you know, they have been traditionally a pretty steep investment for those playing games. Uh, You know, not every gamer out there can afford to spend $60. If you are, you know, if you're still uh, on your parents' budget, you know, if you're 13, 14 years old, uh, you have to be really convinced that you can, you know, go out, purchase this game, and have your parents buy it for you, and that's going to be the one game that they're going to buy for you for any number of weeks or months. Uh, you have to make a very informed decision, and that's where game reviews are supposed to sit. It's, it's supposed to be an informed, uh, you know, decision when you head into the video game store or, you know, digital downloads at this point, and I, I guess that's the role, but they have, you know, like you said, plagiarized and paid for and that kind of thing. Why do you, you know, can video game ratings be redeemed in any way? Are they still valuable? Mm-hmm. Right. Well, yeah, and and I I guess it was, it was more the wording. Maybe it's something that was lost in translation uh, in what he was saying, but I just felt like you know saying, hey, we want to make a good game, not a popular game. I feel like you can't really pinpoint that. Like, I would even say that many of the popular games are popular because they're good because they have an element that really catches the attention of a of large, uh, you know, swaths of the gaming public that in themselves kind of makes them good. You know, I, I know that a lot of people like to hate on Fortnite, but it's popular because it is a very competitive and clean and polished uh, shooter game with a unique element to it. Like, e- even if you say it's crap and you will never play it, it's still a good game. I, I, I don't care what you think of it. It objectively is because so many people are playing it. So I feel like him saying this, maybe it was something lost, lost in translation, but... 
Um, I hope that his next game, I, I, you know, I kind of hope for both ways. I hope he aims for a lot of mass appeal and of, you know, a lot of really good reviews. <laughs> mm-hmm. <laughs> I, I, yeah. Yeah. Yeah, it 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 is and you know, I'm glad that you kind of brought that up because it's uh you know it's something that I've noticed you know I I definitely watch a lot of Twitch I I I firmly believe Twitch is not the gaming public uh Twitch is the Twitch public Twitch is uh, a, a group of people who are probably a bit more caustic than your average gamer and they're very vocal but they're also very contrarian they also like to hate people things ideas uh that as a group they can all get behind and feel some little sense of superiority behind um. So, but hey, this is not a referendum on on gamers or anything like that. We actually have a story about that uh, a little bit later. But um, I'll go ahead and leave you with the next topic. We have like three minutes. We can start to get into one. A lot of really good ones. Uh, any of these ca- kind of catch your eye? See. I- yeah, this is so weird because I've never really heard of an app that would forego, you know, if this was like iOS, it's like, hey, we're going to, and of course they are not avoiding the the, uh, the iTunes store, but this is like an iOS app avoiding the iTunes store. It's it's almost unheard of, but I, it, it's surprising at the same time because you think an app and you only think of a, uh, you know, you only think of the app store. So why would they do this? It's it's and, and trust me, they are the biggest game currently. It is shocking how big the game has actually gotten. Uh, I hear that it's actually the number one nuisance in schools nationwide. It's a it, it's a national epidemic. You think forest fires are bad? Go into a fourth grade classroom and it's uh, it, it, it's pandemonium because of what Fortnite has caused. Uh, and I guess that they think they can do this. I guess my question is. Do you think that this is a good idea? Because yes, they are big. Yes, they could probably still get the downloads. Uh, their friends are going to be talking about it. They're still going to find the, you know, they're still going to Google how to do it, uh, you know, ironically. But I mean, do you think that this sets kind of a dangerous precedent? Because the App Store was a way for uh, developers to put their product up, uh, to have it in one centralized place, and to some lesser extent, I know it's more on iTunes than it is on the Android Store. But have some level of accountability because you're purchasing it through Google. It's Google giving you the stamp of, of approval. And if you have a problem, then you take it up with Google. You don't take it up with these fly-by-night companies. Not implying that Epic Games is a fly-by-night company. But now, yeah, 
but 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 I'm not saying that. But now I'm saying that if you have a problem with your Fortnite and your game and your and the app on your phone, if you have any kind of transaction dispute or anything like that, you now have a beef with Epic Games, and Google as an app provider has nothing to say to you. It it's a bit more of the wild west. There's not a set of precedent, but everyone, music means we're gonna take a break. We'll be right back. Two minutes. Computer America. More after this. And welcome back to the Computer America Show. If you miss any part of today's program so far, feel free to check us out wherever podcasts are heard, be it iTunes, Google Play, uh, hey, Google Play, uh, Heart Radio, uh, Spotify, I think, has us now. We need to double-check that. But, yeah, uh, anywhere podcasts are heard, and it's simply today's show in its entirety rebroadcast. Though, if you're listening to us live on IRN, thank you so much. And if you're watching us on uh, Twitch, hey, uh, we love you there, too. So, uh, yeah, we're talking with Corey Gallagher, Popstar Magazine, and, yeah, just talking about computer technology news, uh, Fortnite. And, by the way, just had a, another second, uh, you know, Corey, before we, you know, kind of skip over to the next topic. I will say that, uh, you know, just kind of poked around the article a bit more, saying that uh, the company would have also liked to avoid the Apple, uh, you know, the Apple iTunes store if it could have, uh, but it couldn't. So, you know, it looks like uh, it wasn't just Android that they were looking to cut out of the loop. And here's the other part, though. Something that um, I I've, I don't have an Android phone, so I can't triple check, but I feel like they should do something, uh, you know, kind of as a public service. Uh, because so many people play this game and so many are uh, younger kids, you know, maybe who are susceptible to clicking the wrong link, being, uh, you know, being duped, uh, things like that. There have been instances of fake versions of Fortnite that are simply used as, you know, kind of avenues to steal things. And I hope that Fortnite or Google or someone puts something up that says, you know, I see you're looking for Fortnite. Uh, It's not available through this store. You know, go to so-and-so website. Because if you simply leave it up as, you know, go to the App Store, uh, you know, look for Fortnite, and all you're going to get is a dozen fake Fortnite clones, then that could, you know, kind of lead to its own problems. <laughs> my favorite one, my and and to kind of put this into perspective, my favorite one, there were actually a, a group of, uh, you know, kind of a group of reviewers or gamers that went out to go find the worst apps on the App Store. And one of my favorite ones was a game that was just sprites that you can download for free, put it into a game, and essentially you, you, you tap your phone screen continuously until, you know, uh, to make your character jump. And it was a game to see how many times you get your character to jump. And you essentially tap, 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 tap. And about 
15 seconds into it, uh, as you're spamming the phone, it would pop up a notification saying, do you approve us charging a hundred dollars to your, to your credit card? And you'd be hitting it. And then you just, you know, kind of hit yes repeatedly. And it would try to steal as much money as it can before you realize, Oh, Oh, Oh no. Um, yeah, I don't, I don't want to give them that kind of money. So like I, stuff like that makes it onto the Google play store on a regular basis. I completely, you know, understand where you're coming from. <laughs> sure. No, we, yeah, we can actually move on. Yeah. No, 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 that, that's perfectly fine. And uh, let's go ahead and talk about, all right, so this is kind of a favorite because I used to play a lot of Halo 1, a lot of Halo 2, plenty of Halo 3, kind of Halo Reach, uh, you know, a good amount of ODST, uh, Halo 4, sure, Halo, you know, Halo is kind of one of those touchstones to, you know, kind of my development as a gamer. It was one of my games. And something that's been teased for a long, long time is this idea that Master Chief would make it out of simply video games. Uh, you know, it was supposed to be a franchise that had uh, a presence not just, you know, for video games, but for movies. Because a lot of Halo is very cinematic. There are amazing cutscenes. There, There's a story to draw from. You know, it's very iconic in what they can do. So a couple of years ago, there was the long-awaited, uh, I, I think they even had like Spielberg saying, you know, hey, I was going to be the one to do this. And it never came to fruition, the idea of a Halo TV series. And it broke my heart. But, you know, we saw some of that footage, uh, you know, kind of used over for, I think, like uh, District 9. Uh, I think used some of the footage for that or became used in another you know, in another uh, film. But anyways, now we're getting reports once again because my heartstrings need to be tugged. Uh, Halo could be heading to a TV series. So I wanted your, your reaction. Do you think this could actually make it happen? Because if you want to talk about, uh, you know, kind of that limbo that happens when it comes to, you know, who has the rights and who's going to produce it, who's going to direct it, you know, let alone money uh, changes hands. Do you think something like this could actually happen? And they're saying it may even come to Showtime, which is a completely new network for uh, you know for the franchise. Mm-hmm. What what happened? Why you you aren't a fan of the series, or you don't think something like this would translate well to a TV show? Uh. So and I I I certainly am hoping. Let's see, they have a quote here from the president of programming for Showtime saying it is, uh, it, it is an enormous undertaking. Uh, let's see, the quote, uh, we made a conscious decision to hire a writer not known for science fiction or big battle movies. We want to make sure that we get the inside human drama. So 
they're not going to go the Michael Bay route. I, I, I guess, you know, you, you mentioned uh, Transformers earlier. That was quintessential what happens when you put someone in who's like, you know, a movie, and especially an action movie, is about the special effects. It's about the fight sequences. It's about the battles. And you end up with Transformers, which, don't get me wrong, made a lot of money. But, you know, through shows such as uh, Game of Thrones and Westworld and many more, we see, and, you know, I, I, I guess Walking Dead was even an impetus to this as well. If you can get that human side to it, if you can get this to be, you know, part drama, part action, that seems to you know, have a bit more of an impact as a show than something like, uh, you know, again, just something about the special effects. So 2020 targeted for Master Chief coming to the bit, you know, well, I guess the little screen at this point. But uh, yeah, they're working with 343 Industries, who currently has uh, everything Halo. And yeah, I, I, I guess I don't have anything more to add, I, you know, that this, I'm hoping it's good. I'm hoping if nothing else, even if it's terrible, even if it's the worst dreck I have ever seen on television. I just hope it makes it to television. I hope that it finally gets out of production heck and it actually makes it to somewhere rather than these empty promises like, um, you know, Spielberg's going to direct the TV show or we're going to get a good conclusion to the storyline. You know, these promises from Halo, they're, they're so tiring. It, it, it's, it's, it's not quite to the level of, uh, of, of Star Citizen, but man, Halo has been through the washer and back. He, you know, and, and like I said, even regardless of quality, at least they made it. So maybe even this one. So, all right. And let's say that uh, let's hope that the next, uh, you know, the next Halo game makes it into our hands before 2020, because that's so far away. It feels like so far away. So, okay. With uh, there's Halo, Master Chief. Let's hope that that happens. Let's talk about real quick. Uh, let's see, one of your stories here, I believe it was, so just in the same vein of, of uh, uh, Fortnite, there we go, Fortnite not going to the Android App Store, which is fine, you know, mobile is a pretty big market, but hey, they certainly have the resources to make it happen. Uh, in the same vein, though, you know, you're talking about a fraction, and I, I'm not really sure what the fraction of mobile players on Fortnite is, but you're talking about a pie slice. Now, when you talk about digital distribution and you want to talk about video games, Steam is a bit more than a pie slice. Steam is the pie, and anyone else who has any other platform is simply cutting into Steam's pie. Like, it's, it, it's, it's their cake, and you have to eat it. So, and now I'm hungry. I'm, I'm so hungry for cake. But I will say that Fallout 76, which is the latest iteration of the Fallout series, claims it won't be launching on Steam, um, and I think Bethesda, right, makes this, or do I have that completely wrong? Uh, yeah, via Bethesda.net only. So, uh, you know, just like, uh, let's see, I think Origin for EA games, uh, you have Epic Games with their launcher, Blizzard and Blizzard Activision has their own launcher. Now we may be looking at another launcher, which will be Bethesda.net. Uh, hey, uh, again, Corey, my question to you. Fallout 76, not being on Steam. 
does this matter or do they have enough, uh, you know, or do they have enough clout that this is like, oh, where's 76? It's over there. All right, I'll go over there instead. I didn't know. So, and hey, there's a whole reference to, uh, you know, to the underworld in there, but let's just say that Steam had a bit of a controversy happened a little while ago when it came to them canceling, uh, I think it was like Steam Spy or something of that nature, and then they leaked, quote unquote, numbers for a lot of different publishers, uh, such as how many hours were played and how many titles were purchased uh, through their platform, and I have a question for you is, do you think any of this has to do with keeping the data a bit closer to their, you know, a, a bit closer to the vest, you know, just kind of keeping, uh, you know, because now if they do it through their own launcher and no one else has anything to say about it, they don't have to be extremely accurate about their reporting of how successful the game has been. Yep, and hey, it, it could it really could be that simple. And the infrastructure, uh, you know, is certainly there that if you want to download their launcher and you want to download it from them, uh, barring any kind of uh, catastrophe. Of course, it's funny, you know, talking about Fallout, uh, Fallout games because that is the impetus behind the entire genre, or at least the entire series, is disaster has struck. But Barring any disasters with their servers, they should be able to handle everything with, uh, you know, pre-downloads and pre-sales and things like that. But, um, yeah, I, I, I guess you're right. This is very, very similar to, uh, to Fortnite with, uh, you know, with, with Android and things like that. Um, uh, taking these stories together, is there a bad ending for gamers because having everything in one place, having it conveniently, uh, being able to so, you know, create social circles where they could catch you on any game. You didn't have this fragmented ecosystem before that. Uh, and you know, of course there was the idea that steam owned everything, which in itself is not good either, but is there a bad ending for gamers? If everyone decides, you know what, we're getting an afford of mouth. We don't need to play nice with anybody. <laughs> but but it's the idea that you know you see someone playing uh you know maybe a Call of Duty game or you see someone playing uh you know uh what was that uh Counter Strike there we go you see someone playing Counter Strike or any of these other popular Steam games and you say hey I'm gonna hop on Fallout 76 you want to come with me I mean you know then you have to jump from one uh, launcher to the next which I get really isn't that big of a deal, but I'm, I'm just trying to find anything that could be like, well, if the trend continues as it is, then you end up with, uh, 
I, I, I don't know, maybe even, you know, the segmentation that we're seeing with the consoles, which are completely manufactured at this point, are we going to start seeing that with, uh, you know, with titles that people may be playing even on the same system? Yeah, I, uh, I, you know, and, and really, I, I think that Fallout 76 is right up there with some of the biggest titles, and it's not going to surprise me that they do this. I'm not even saddened that they are going to do this. It's just one more program I have to have on my computer to, uh, you know, to play another game. So I'm not surprised. I just hope that, you know, we don't end up with every single title is going to have their own launcher, and you have and you know, you have to kind of figure out where you put that game because, you know, everyone has their own kind of uh, cubby that they're going to have on your computer. But, all right. So there's that. Uh, let's see, 10 minutes left in the show, so we have plenty of time to get into this next one. And this one, I, you know, just reading the title, I am waiting to buy the Switch, uh, the Switch from Nintendo. I, the title that I'm really waiting for, because I like Zelda, I'm not crazy over Zelda, I like, uh, you know, things like Mario Party and, you know, uh, Mario Odyssey and things like that. I'm not head over heels, but I am over Pokemon. So as soon as there's a Pokemon game for the Switch, I'm going to jump in head first, and I'm really looking forward to it. But something that you found an article here for from Kotaku kind of shows that, you know, some people... While there is that holdover with the 3DS, you know, uh, obviously the Switch can do everything that the 3DS does you know, a little bit better. They're still launching on the 3DS, and I assume that the title implies that they're only launching on the 3DS. Uh, what about this article caught your attention? Uh, yeah. <laughs> hmm. But does it have a stylus? Mm-hmm. Yeah. <laughs> All right. Yeah, he's gonna look at that. But no, I I completely understand where you are. Can I, uh, <laughs> perfect. Oh, so then a 3ds. You know, it doesn't even matter. Everyone, go take your 3DS out back and do it old dealer style. Just get it over with. You'll be happier that you did. But 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 no, this is something that we see uh, from not just Nintendo, but from every console manufacturer, where you have that massive holdover. You know, when the Xbox 360 was the dominant uh, you know console for so long, and then came you know, and then out came the Xbox One. They developed a lot of games. I don't want to say exclusively for you know exclusively for the for the 360. But really, they were marketed primarily towards the 360. And, you know, I, I think it's just a numbers game because I'm sure that the Switch is selling very, very well. You know, I think it said it was selling as well as any console Nintendo has put out uh, since I think like the Dreamcast or something like that. But it's sold incredibly well, but that doesn't negate that there are 3D systems out there and they're still in the hands of people who have money. So, uh, yeah, the great equalizer, who has money and how do I get some of that? 
I, I get what they're saying. You know, any if you develop a game for a system that's already out of date, then how long is the shelf life of your game? But um, and by the same token, I'm kind of glad that they aren't just completely writing off uh, all those people because you know they may have their own reasons for not upgrading to the you know to the switch. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, and, and hey, that happens with every Game Boy, and uh, you know, if we see that that those two audiences coming together of Game Boys and gaming consoles from Nintendo, and we see them merge into one, which is something that I think they've really nailed with the Switch, as we've mentioned before on the show, then I'm okay with that. You're bringing together two audiences that are playing almost the same games, and now they can play it in whichever manner that they see best fits. So um, I'm okay with this. I'm okay with it going away. And hey, I think he does have a pretty good point that if you are still super excited about you know what's new for the 3DS, uh, yeah, you you may be a dying breed where you know it, you may have to start thinking what's new for the Switch and how do I get my hands on one. So let's go ahead and leave that there. We have time for just one more quick story, and I'm. Uh, you know, and I, I, I really, you know what? Let's just bring it up. So, Discord. The reason I have this story, and uh, you know, not going to get into the ideals behind these people, but I will say that I think this ties into a larger conversation that we just don't have time for because we saved it for the end. But Discord is a service primarily aimed towards gamers. It has a lot of integration with a lot of video games. Uh, Twitch has purchased it, which used to be Curse Gaming, which used to be its own huge service. Uh, it's now a, a subsidiary of Amazon by extension, and blah, blah, blah. My point is, it's primarily used by gamers, but the uh, you know, but white supremacists have commandeered it. And you know, this is not a secret. This is not conjecture. This is the truth, that if you want a public meeting space and you want to talk with other people who, you know, who share your ideals, it's not hard to create a pseudo chat room or you know, a literal chat room, and you can hide behind a username, you know, not your actual name, but a username. And that has led to a home for, and, and by the way, it's very easy to leave, join, and otherwise you know, find others who think like you do. And that's why white supremacists have found a home on Discord. Now there's a story, Washington Post, a subpoena for the app called Discord, which again, uh, if you're looking for a bigger name, uh, that would be a subpoena for the company Amazon could unmask identities of Charlottesville white supremacists, which, you know, hey, even a couple of years ago, uh, or at least even a year ago, that was, one of their favorite places to meet up. My question to you, uh, Corey, and hey, you have two minutes, so use it, uh, you know, hey, you have plenty of time in the world. I know, but um, gaming and, you know, these uh, uh, these horrible, I'm going to call it horrible subculture because I don't have the right words for it, but, you know, 
is there something about just gaming in general that leads to these kinds of things happening where gaming discord servers, uh, you know, kind of lead to, and I, I know that you covered Gamergate and, you know, things like that. Is there something about the gaming culture that leads to these groups, uh, you know, kind of collaborating in gaming platforms? Oh yeah. <laughs> good, good call. Good call. Good call. Uh, I'm guessing you're going to do the same thing with this whole store. Dead cells. I saw a couple of things about that one. Okay, let's just go ahead and get this off the screen here. So, uh, no, dead cells. What is that about? I saw a couple of, of, uh, of screenshots of it. Looked like a side scroller, I think. Uh, what is dead cells? Oh, man, but that could have led to such, uh, you know, awesome and unfulfilling conversation. But all right, I, under, I, I understand where you're coming from. But hey, everyone, the music means that we're just about done here. We'll save uh, the uh, the other stuff for never again. So in the meantime, Corey, I'll let you have the last word. If people want to find out more about what you do or where can they go to find some of your musings, writings, uh, please take it away. There you go. And I believe he also has a Twitter and things like that that you can easily find. We'll have links to it in the show notes. And, Corey, until next month, uh, hey, have, have a great one, and uh, thank you for joining us. My pleasure, my pleasure. So, everyone, until next time, uh, thank you for joining us here on Computer America. Great fun on Gamer Tuesday. And be sure to tune in tomorrow as we have Sandy Berger, our consumer electronics expert. So until then, everyone, have a great day. Keep your nose clean. Do not talk about politics on Computer America. I am learning that every single day. And, uh, yeah, have fun. And I really want to emphasize this. Uh, the new WoW expansion coming out next week, Monday and Tuesday, Computer America will not be on the air. So, uh, everyone, bye-bye. <laughs>